This is the Feminine Genius Podcast, a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. Liv Harrison is a powerhouse of a woman who has endured a number of crosses in her life. She is a captivating speaker and storyteller with a killer sense of humor. But above all, she is rooted in the truth of God's love for her. Her goal is to encourage, inspire, and connect people to Jesus. And she does so with joy, laughter, and incredible courage. In this episode, Liv shares the relationship between her faith and weight loss journey, her desire to connect people together through the work she does, and why it's so important to give ourselves permission to be extraordinary. Hi, Liv. Hi, Rachel. How are you? (laughs) I am so good. Seeing your face and hearing your voice, you always bring such a peace to me. So I'm really in need of you right now. So I am just feeling so blessed. Oh, well, thank you so much. That's so kind of you to say. And likewise, I'm very excited. I was sharing with you that I was just coming back from vacation. And I am grateful that this is one of the ways that I'm ending off my vacation, but also just kind of getting back into the swing of things. It's just so wonderful to be with you. So thank you for being here. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? I look like I'm at like it's if if people could see my face. It's like Christmas morning on my face. (laughs) I've been so excited to be on this podcast talking with you. I can't even tell you. So I I got goosebumps right now just saying that. I'm so excited. So yay. Praise God. Yeah, thank yeah. you. So excited to be with you today. And of course, like for you to, to share a little bit about yourself. You mentioned just before we got started that you... Uh, you know, you're always so open and so vulnerable. And like I mentioned, one of the things that we really love about you, but maybe we'll start there. Like for those who sure. have not had the pleasure of meeting you yet, and this is their first time meeting Liv Harrison, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do right now. Yeah. Hi, uh, Liv Harrison, short for Olivia, but I, I go by Liv professionally and I got started you know, the first time I was on the radio, I was seven. And the first time I know, well, not as like a job, no one paid me, but (laughs) yeah, I did commercials for my dad. I was 13 when I started public speaking Mm -hmm. and I was 21 when I started emceeing Mm -hmm. and 35 when I wrote my first conference. So I'm 43 and now I'm kind of coming in my own, but I identify inside as a 24 year old. (laughs) (laughs) And I think most of my friends would agree. They're like, I have a tremendous amount of energy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's okay. It's just, God thought that would be fun for all of us, but I am a Catholic speaker and a Catholic MC, but I am now kind of really into radio. My -hmm. life got back into radio on a professional level And I started a podcast in the pandemic because who didn't, Mm -hmm. Um, except Rachel, who was smart enough to start one a billion years ago. (laughs) I had no idea. And, you know, I swore I would never have a podcast. I was like, Mm -hmm. you've got to be everybody and their dog has a podcast. Plus the ones who are already out there, they're doing a great job. You know what I mean? Like, what is there left to say? Mm -hmm. So, of course, I started one. That's kind of around the time that I met you and Mm -hmm. I was for a job with Sirius XM with the Catholic Channel. The little bit of platform I have is because I was with someone here in the States. Her name is Jen Fulweiler. She had a show 
on Sirius XM Catholic channel and I became a regular. So I was a regular voice with her co-hosting guest. I was like on like every four or five weeks and yeah. So I, I kind of got a little following of my own and started doing comedy with her. Well, she kept going. She's, she doesn't need me. Jen is phenomenal. She is. And, uh, I didn't get the job when she left Sirius XM and I was devastated. And I think mm-hmm. you were there during some of that. I was just, oh my gosh, world was crushed. And so in October of 2020, so we're still in 2020, mm-hmm. I was offered a job with a brand new Catholic network out of Connecticut in New York, it's like Long Island and Connecticut. I'm in Texas. I'm in Houston. So every Canadian now is very confused. And uh, <laughs> all the other listeners, they're going to, you know, all the non-Canadians are going to be like, none of this makes sense. And so I thought, oh, well, I'll put together a morning show because SiriusXM mm-hmm. told me you've got a lot of energy and you're really magnetic through the radio. And I'm thinking, Oh, I got the job. Like these sound like good things to have. Right. right. And they were like, so, but we're good. We don't want you. (laughs) Well, that's weird. And they said, but you know what? You probably would be great for like a morning show. And I was thinking, I don't know if that was a compliment or if they were just, you know, giving me the brush off with a compliment. I don't know. So I pitched a morning show to this brand new Catholic network, the one in Connecticut, New York. It's called Veritas Catholic Network. And there's a very famous bishop that's a part of this place. His name is Bishop Frank Caggiano. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people know him. He's from Brooklyn and he's got a great accent and he's really involved with the youth and the young adults. And he's got a podcast on this network called Let Me Be Frank because his name is (laughs) so smart. I love it. Isn't that great? So I pitched a morning show. Yep. And the guy, his name is Steve Lee. He was like, okay, that, yeah. And I pitched a a different podcast, not the one I already had. And it's really great podcast. I'm going to bring it back one day. I promise. Mm -hmm. He said, what's your dream? And I said, my dream, well, Saturday night live, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that's going to happen because I live in Houston and uh, (laughs) I didn't go to second city in Toronto or in Chicago. Right. And I think that's a prereq. And then um, I said, but really, I would love to do a late night show. I think that'd be great as a woman, as a female. Mm-hmm. I think we've lost a lot, especially in the Catholic sector and entertainment as mm-hmm. far as what do we do that's joyful? You know, we have mm-hmm. a lot of intellects and we've got a lot of great, you know, apologetics and we've got EWTN, which dear God, but anyway, you know, we've got a lot of things, but we don't have just enjoying life. Like mm-hmm. Jesus kicked off this thing at a wedding with wine. So he obviously was like, I mean, you guys, listen, let's take off our sandals and let's like, you know, (laughs) hang out again. So he calls me back and he says, I'd love to give you a slot on my network at 8 p.m. And I thought the morning commute should be over by 8 p.m. That's really (laughs) weird. And I really was so confused. I was like, okay, it's going to be weird for a commuter show, but whatever. And he said, no, I want you to do your late night show. And I said, I didn't write you a late night show. I didn't even pitch you one. And he goes, right. But I think that's genius. And we don't have anything like that right now. So that's what we're going to do. And I was like, okay. So it launched in July of 2021 and it comes out every Thursday. And uh, so it comes out, it's broadcast on the radio in Connecticut and Long Island on 1350 AM or on the Veritas app. My team puts it out on all podcast apps so you can listen to it, but Here's what's great. It's actually filmed with four cameras 
three monitors. We're in a real, I have a real studio with a set and the whole nine yards. So you can actually watch the show. It's multimedia. You can watch on YouTube or on Facebook. And it's called, it's not that late with Liv Harrison because they're putting me on at eight o'clock whenever they put it out there on the East coast. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be funny, but you could really watch it anytime. So there you go. That's a long time to say who I am and everyone left. But for the three people left, hello, everyone. <laughs> You're so incredible. And one of the the funny things was you mentioned different snippets of your journey. I know we're going to jump in a little deeper into that. And I was reflecting the other day on how I came to meet you. And I think it was definitely on social media because who doesn't yes. meet on Instagram nowadays? Right. But I think it was when you were doing the Genius Conference. And naturally, like, you know, for all of those at home, you, like, obviously the feminine I even, is I kind of my jam. <laughs> well, there you go. So I was just like, wait yeah. a second. I think, you know, I even remember, too, probably, like, I was just thinking, like, this is happening in Texas, and I'm so, so far away. I'm so sad that I won't be able to make it out. And here we are in 2019 before the world shuts down. But I just got to say, it's like the voice that you have, right? It's just the gravitas that comes out, like, everything about your storytelling and, and who you are, you know, it's like you're made for this. It's oh, a gift to be able to spend that time with you and then just hear you recount that. And I'm sure there's much more to say here. So uh, you're so sweet. Yeah. The genius conference. That is true. That was a, a very interesting time in my mm -hmm. life when I was an MC for a very conservative, traditional Catholic mm -hmm. group. And I would MC all of their conferences. So everyone who came in was like crazy intellectuals, like professors right. at like the top college university Catholic ones. And then I would come on the stage and be like, everybody buy your tickets and go to the bathroom. And like, I mean, it was such a different energy. <laughs> and then they would go into the, like the council of Trent, you know, and it was like very like, you know, academia. And then I pop back on like buddy, the elf. And, you know, so it was, it was really a really great experience. And they were actually the ones who came to me and said, would you write a women's conference? Mm -hmm. And I said, absolutely not. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I hate women's ministry. I hate it. I can't stand it. Okay. I was like, I'm not doing it. And so they said, no, 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 no. You got to do it. I was like, no, I'm not going to do it because listen, here's the thing. We already have it out yeah. there. Like it's already out there. There's so much women's ministry mm -hmm. and a lot of it needs to be redone, but I'm so different than other people. I don't think you're going to want what I'm going to write. And I said, I'm not going to write and have everybody get a journal and talk about how they're the daughter of a king for four days. I'm not doing that. I was like, I'm not doing it. It drives me nuts, you know? And I was like, I get it. I know I'm a daughter of the king, but can we talk about anything else at any other? Oh my gosh. That's all they want to do with us as women. And I'm like, I got it, but there's got to be more to us. I'm just guessing there's more because we already got that message. So I kept telling them no. And finally they said, okay, if we let you do what you want to do. However, whatever it is that is in your wackety brain <laughs> with whoever you want, would you do it? And I said, okay. So Friday night, we had a baby goat uh, conference. We really did. Uh, Jen Fulweiler came in and did stand-up comedy for me Saturday night. The lineup of speakers I had was out of this world. We had a ridiculous dance. We had a cash bars in the corners. I was like, I want these ladies to have wine, yep. you know, and I want this to be incredible. And so when people left the conference, it really wasn't a conference. People kept saying, I've never experienced anything like this. For one thing, I emceed the whole thing, although I wrote the mm -hmm. whole thing, but I emceed it and I didn't want the normal podium. Mm -hmm. Hi, welcome to the Genius Conference. I'm your host, Liv mm -hmm. Harrison. Mm -hmm. Rachel is here and Rachel did it, you know, and, and give your bio. I'm like, I hate 
when I MC and they make me read the bio that you have in the program. I'm like, <laughs> these people can read. Like, what are we doing? So I had it set up like a living room, like a cool TV set, to be honest. It's kind of what inspired what I have mm-hmm. now in my my real studio, couches and chairs. And so I would sit down with each one of my speakers and I'd be like, all right, Rachel, Mm -hmm. let's talk. Uh, Here's the deal. I heard when you were a junior in high school, that one night when you were at that football game, tell me that story. So that's how I would introduce my speakers. And so it, it felt like girlfriends Mm -hmm. hanging out. What do we do? So great as women, right? We're, we connect Mm -hmm. and we're emotional and women love to be vulnerable in that space where they know that they're safe Mm -hmm. and they can share their story. So it opens up your audience because now they feel like, oh, I can trust her. I was a junior in high school. I remember, you know, and (laughs) now they just don't know where you got your, you know, master's degree or whatever. They know you. And so genius was an awesome time in my life. And the last time we did it was March 6th through 8th, 2020, which if that sounds familiar, That was literally days before the entire world shut down. So we got in by the skin of our teeth. And I look back at that, Rachel, and I'm so grateful people didn't get massively ill because we didn't Mm -hmm. know. If you remember, no one knew what this pandemic really was. And so we were very blessed, 150 women from all over the country and no one got COVID, which is a miracle really and truly. So absolutely. Yeah. So I, same with you. When I saw your feminine genius podcast, I was like, okay, friend, (laughs) I see you. Yeah. I must admit, I felt a little scandalized when you said it's like, oh, like that is not my jam. But you know, the more I think about it, the more it makes sense that there are so many, and that's really everything that I stand for. And I'm sure you feel the same way. We need all of these different manifestations. So before we get there, I would love to dive into who Liv Harrison is. So you mentioned like all of the things that you're up to. But in terms of maybe not quite like the beginning, the beginning, but in terms of when I was four, I'm just kidding. (laughs) If I may quote you from your podcast, like you have many stories of your time in Louisiana. So (laughs) I do talk about Louisiana a lot. There you go. I know. So maybe like if we could start with your faith journey and like how it is that you've come to know yourself as a daughter of the king, though maybe you don't speak about it quite often. (laughs) Everyone hates you now. I just... (laughs) Listen, there's nothing wrong with being the daughter of a king, okay? I just want to hear more. That's all. I just want more. Yeah, no, I'm originally from Louisiana. So again, all the Canadians, I'll give you a moment to get a map. Down south. Down south. <laughs> it's down south. A big part of my story and a big part of my faith journey, honestly, they're they're tied together. And mm-hmm. I, I think Rachel knows this. Anybody who's followed me for five seconds, I used to weigh 458 mm-hmm. pounds. And so That sounds like, oh, like people don't react when I tell them that. And then I take a picture out and I show them what I used to look like. And then Mm -hmm. it really registers because I don't think people know what 458 pounds looks like. And then when they see it and I'm standing there next to them, they're like, oh my gosh, like it takes your breath away because I've lost over 300 pounds at this point. So that is a huge part of my story. And I started, my morbid obesity started Mm -hmm. when I was eight. Well, it must've started before then, but I, the first time my parents brought me to Weight Watchers, I was eight and I was um, the only kid there. Everybody was Mm -hmm. an adult, you know? And I was sharing this story actually two nights ago to a friend. I said, you know, I get complimented all the time on how vulnerable and open I am and about my faith and about all this kind of stuff. And I said, here's the thing, when you are morbidly obese and you walk in a room at 458 pounds, 
you automatically are at a disadvantage. Everybody in the room knows something really deep and intimate and horrible and humiliating and embarrassing and Mm -hmm. vulnerable about you. I can't hide. If you're morbidly obese, you can't be like, hold on, everybody. Let me go get an invisibility cloak. You know, like everyone can see. So the guy next to me could be a raging alcoholic. The woman next to me could be addicted to porn, but I can't see that. Right. I don't know what their stuff is, but I would walk in a room and you knew something about me and you can make a lot of judgments. Right. This is so hand in hand with my faith life and where it's brought me to today because Overcoming morbid obesity is not an easy task. It took 15 years to lose 300 pounds. And there's a lot of patience and prayer and a lot of faith and a lot of trust and just name words, you know, like open the Bible and point to words. Okay. All of them were involved. (laughs) And then to face the other things I had to face, I developed a tremendous amount of medical conditions because I was so massively overweight I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was 21 and I was on 35 shots of insulin every day that I would give myself in my stomach. And I had two children by the grace of God, my second child's named Cana after the wedding feast of Cana, because she is literally a miracle. They didn't know I could have more children because I was so sick. I could go on and on and on. I've had 13 surgeries at this point. I'm only 43, Rachel. I mean, I know that's probably ancient to everyone else, but that's not that old. Like, I mean, you know, to have whatever. When your life is draped in chronic illness, when your every day is a cross, you do have a choice. Are you going to give that to God or are you going to go away from God? Now, some days... I was not as present to walk that walk with him, but I have to tell you, I kind of am a geek at this point that I love when I have something that Mm. is true suffering because I've suffered my whole life. And I don't mean that lightly, as you know, because I know that, you know, we're so connected on social media. I just had my 13th surgery today is six weeks ago. August 11th was my 13th surgery. It was a 10 and a half hour surgery. This is how much energy I have after surgery. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a lot. (laughs) So imagine when I'm not on, you know, meds and recovering because I'm starting to have the skin removed after losing over 300 pounds. That's a tremendous amount of skin. It's not for vanity. It's a huge issue and it's going to take four surgeries to remove all of it. And it's very excruciating. Any surgery I had before this point was about two hours long. This first surgery, April 1st, 2021, they worked on my entire torso and it took about eight hours and they did a complete 360 cut around my entire body and from my breastbone to my pubic bone and removed my actual stomach. I do not have my original belly button anymore. So I sure hope Jesus didn't want that back because (laughs) I don't know what I'm going to tell him. Okay. (laughs) So we're going to come up with a plan B. I don't have any of my original scars from my other previous surgeries. All of that's gone. They were able to remove almost nine pounds, which they normally get about four to five, which is pretty depressing. You're thinking, I lost 300 pounds of weight. You guys get in there and take a rib, like take something like what weighs a lot, a kidney. I don't care. Stick it in there. Let's (laughs) dig out. So yeah, they were really excited. They got almost nine pounds. So let me tell you, when you've got a lot of time in recovery, Rachel, And like I said, with my medical story and my whole, where I'm at in my life, 
you have a choice. You're already in pain. Okay. It's painful. Okay. I'm just going to let everybody know them taking off your body. That's not fun. And you're already suffering and it's very lonely. Mm -hmm. And as you can tell, I'm an extrovert. I make (laughs) extroverts tired. Recovery, especially with something like this, the second surgery that just happened, they thought was going to take eight hours. It took them 10 and a half. They said they never stopped. They didn't even stop to take OR pictures, which last time they, they sent me pictures that they did in the OR, but they did all my, my arms. And now I'm completely cut around 360 on the top of my body. They redid my chest and my upper back. So I really look like a Tim Burton movie or like sharks attacked me at this point. I look stitched together. There's a lot of time to contemplate. There's a lot of downtime and there's a lot of come to Jesus moments, but here's what's so beautiful. It's a tremendous amount of opportunity to give this up for other people and for the kingdom. And I don't do that when I'm having an amazing life and I'm out with my friends and I'm talking to my girl, Rachel, and I'm like doing all the things. It doesn't occur to me. I should think of the souls of purgatory, you know, or I should really think of these people that are going through this trauma. But when you're in bed and you are already in pain and suffering and you're already isolated and alone, it is such a great time and opportunity to give up what you're already going through. It's already happening to you. So might as well. So to me, my faith to answer and the longest probably answer that you've ever gotten on a podcast has only increased because Mm -hmm. of my crosses. And I am who I am today because I was chosen for this journey and I gladly take it up. I love it. Mm -hmm. I really do. And like you said, there are so many times where when things are going well, that we forget to offer it up or pray for others. And I remember that that was one of the things that like, I'm always so appreciative of. And I know that you did this as well, where like you you had a call out for prayer intentions, which I found to be so great, just so that you were able to pray through your own suffering. So for that, I'm so grateful. And I was curious to know, just kind of like based on all that, and in terms of your own parallel health journey with your faith journey, do you remember like at which point in your life that you realize that, okay, I need to find a way to turn like that cross or like look at that cross, think about my suffering, but kind of look at that in this very positive way that you've taken it on. And and I want to be clear too, like suffering, of course, like is, is such a, a personal and like hurting thing sometimes that we do have to take on. And, and I think that it's important to grieve, but all the same, the perspective that you've taken more of like that long lens, eternal perspective and being able to offer it up. That's something that is so powerful. And it's a fantastic reminder. But yeah, I was just curious if you could share like at what point you realize that like, oh, I need to kind of give it a different spin if we could put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I was very blessed to be um, born into a very Catholic focused family. I am a cradle Catholic, but not a normal kind of cradle Catholic. Usually you find a lot of cradle Catholics that they were like, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I was always Catholic, but I don't really know anything. My parents, what they were really sensational at was explaining the faith to us. And the older I got that I realized this is really rare because I would be in a room full of Catholics and somebody would walk in and be like, you guys worship Mary. And everybody around me would be like, probably, I don't know. I mean, sure. We talk about her a lot. And I would be like, what? No, we don't worship Mary, everybody. Like, and then I would go into how I knew that and what my parents had taught me. So I would have to say that even from a young age, and I do this in my own parenting with my children, If something is started at a very young age and and it's consistently taught throughout life, 
it becomes part of, I mean, it's like virtue, right? It's something, if you practice, it's a muscle and you do it all the time. It's part of your everyday. Like, I think that's why, well, I don't think that's why, but this is why Lent is 40 days instead of, you know what guys, for 40 minutes, <laughs> let's all give up chocolate for Jesus. You know, okay, so maybe like, well, that's not hard. I mean, you know, 40 minutes. Okay. 40 days. You're like, I mean, there are moments where you're like, okay, listen, Jesus, I love you, but chocolate, look, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. You made it up. How am I not supposed to eat it, Jesus? Like, you know, like, I mean, if you don't want me to eat it, why'd you make it? So, you know, there's some moments, right, that you have to pull yourself through when you are doing sacrifice. Okay. So I'm not going to sit here and toxic positivity and be like, no, it's so fantastic. And every day I do it and it's all the time. No, mm-hmm. we're human beings, you know, and, and it's constant. So it wasn't ever a moment is what I'm trying to say, which is, is it's anticlimactic, but let's be honest. It's really Mm -hmm. beautiful because everything else is like, Rachel, when did you understand the number one? You know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know. My parents probably said the number one to me 400 times, you know, they're like, here's one pickle, Rachel, here's one chip, (laughs) Rachel, here's one toy, you know, like as a parent, it's repetitive, right? And that's what you do. We don't lick light sockets, you know, and you have to tell your kid 300 times. So that's what my faith was. I was raised in a home where it wasn't just, Hey guys, this is a guy named Jesus. I don't know. You should probably listen to him. Let's go to church maybe on Christmas. That was not my story. My story is a little different with cradle Catholics where we were taught the faith consistently. So I don't have this big Mm -hmm. moment. I have a, it was always part Mm -hmm. of my story, if that makes sense. And so I was taught how, just like you're taught to be racist, just how you're taught to be selfish or, you know, there's other things that we teach our children, Mm -hmm. but I was taught how to take suffering and give it back to God Mm -hmm. and to those who could use it. I was taught that. If that is a good answer, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, there are so many things that we can be taught, like the example you use of being selfish, the opposite of that, like that selfless opportunity to offer it back up, like any pain that we have and just use that and kind of channel all of that into prayer. And, you know, I think that, like I said, it's something that I need all the time because sometimes I'm just like in massive amounts of pain. I'm just like, oh man, like everything sucks and we get so down on ourselves. So yeah, like what a powerful reminder. You know, everything's kind of going off for me in my head too, where, you know, you had these more like the physical sufferings, the health struggles, but then also I know you mentioned career-wise and you kind of touched on it in your introduction and maybe going that route, like that in itself was also a lot of suffering, I remember. And also like very public Uh, as well. And, you know, it's interesting you talk about with weight loss, right? Like how that is a very like outward sign, very public. Um, But for that point too, like in terms of like the challenges that you had to endure, because I think that's one of the things that I see in you is just the amount of incredible perseverance, but I'm sure simultaneously very difficult to go through in such a public way. Yeah. And I tried to be really real about it. You know, I posted a couple of days ago about imposter syndrome. I also suffer with mental health issues and I'm very vocal about that because that's also something that you don't see a lot. It's funny. Okay, I finally just came to a piece, Rachel, that I'm extra in every possible way. Like the positive parts about me and the other, oh, you think you have to lose weight? I had to lose 300 pounds. Oh, you think that, that, that you've had, sir, I had 13. Like, it's obnoxious. It's like, we get it. Okay, Liv, you win all the contests. <laughs> it's always the most. 
But sadly, I've just come to realize that is my Mm. straw in life. Like that's what the straw I pulled. And with my mental health, that's also part of it. After Mm -hmm. I lost the weight, I was diagnosed with extremely severe anxiety. I was bedridden for three years. I couldn't leave my bed. At the time, my daughter was two. She's now 11 and I have a son. But when she was two, she would go to the freezer, open it and sit on the floor and feed herself frozen waffles because I couldn't get out of bed to feed my baby because I was so stricken with anxiety. And now I've been diagnosed with severe depression. And that was right before COVID came to the planet. So I've taken on a lot of things, not just morbid obesity, diabetes, which I'm not on diabetic drugs, except now because of the surgery. But before that, I got off all diabetic medicine. I used to take something like 25 pills a day for years for high blood pressure, for whatever. Like I was off Mm -hmm. all meds until this last surgery, but that's okay. I'll be off them again. Same with anxiety. Like I said, I wouldn't leave my house past 4.30. I didn't fly on airplanes for 15 years except twice. And I was on a lot of drugs to do it. I now fly constantly and I don't take anything. So like I've overcome tremendously huge things. And that's not to talk about me. That's to talk about absolutely the power of prayer for when you do take these crosses that can be so big and extreme and are impossible because guess what? They are. They absolutely are impossible. Rachel, you'll have to share a picture of me. And when you look at that and then look at a picture and be like, that's impossible. You know why? Because I'm a person, but you know why it's not impossible? Because we have a God and he makes it possible. There's nothing that I have done on my own. And he is so gracious, but here's your part in it. You have to allow it. When we get in the way of God's work is when he can't do the work within us that he needs to do. So all I've done is say, yes, now I'm getting tired. I'm like, God, you keep sending me these huge, like, can, are we done yet? Like, I mean, what else is out there? Like <laughs> I'm tired, God, like, let's just move on. That's not how he works. So it isn't about just being positive and, and seeing like this toxic positivity or that these things, these sufferings haven't really affected me. Like, you know, you said like, Lou, I see, I see you take on this stuff or whatever, but I'm also trying on Instagram and, and social media and, and in my work that I do on my show, on my, um, my new show, it's a late night show. I have a mantra, give yourself permission mm. to be extraordinary. I write it a lot, permission to be extraordinary. And the word extraordinary really throws people off. They think, oh, what does that mean? I have to start a podcast like Rachel. I have to, you know, have a late night show like live. No, no, no. It just means living to your fullest potential of whatever that is that God has decided for you. What is the mission God has put here for you? We have to be real, Rach. Like we have to like show people the ugly. I wrote about imposter syndrome two days ago and I literally wrote, who in the world do I think I am? I'm just some lady in Texas who put a studio in her garage Mm -hmm. and made up a show. I made it up. Not like anybody came to my door and said, Hey, you know, like we really need a late night show. And I was like, all right, fine. It's hard. Mental health is hard and staying on top of things and we're attacked all the time. And so I think you have to absolutely, again, it's consistency. Mm. I don't pray all the time. Every time Mm. I'm suffering, come on. There's days I totally forget to even say hi to Jesus. And I'm like, 
oh, geez, I really have done nothing. I've been in bed and I totally forgot to even talk to you. And okay, so can I go backwards and (laughs) all that suffering I had for five days? Can we give that up? I mean, we're imperfect. And the only reason any of us can get to any place, I'm not kidding, as cheesy as it sounds, as cliche as it is, which it is for a reason, is God. And the second you invite him in and you give him space, to work in your life the way that he designed it to be he's ridiculously generous. And that's what I mean. Give permission, permission to yourself to be extraordinary. The extraordinary part, God's got that part covered. That's his gig, but you've got to give the permission. And it reminds me too, especially, and maybe this resonates more like as women, but God is the perfect gentleman. In many ways it is as strange as that sounds like okay god yes you can come in and we will now do all of the extraordinary things together many times we can just get bogged down with mediocrity and just been like this is as good as it's gonna get and then that's it and we're just gonna that's right leave it or survival you know with covid i mean i think that's what for the first time for people who who don't have a story like mine which i'm so glad Mm -hmm. most of the world doesn't all of a sudden their every day was really affected by something chronic. <laughs> like it was like, this isn't going anywhere. And everybody went mm-hmm. into survival mode. Mm-hmm. All of us, we didn't know what was going on. And survival is a horrible place to live. You're not supposed mm-hmm. to stay there. You're not supposed to stay stagnant. We're mm-hmm. organic beings. And our God is the God of the universe, not just this planet literally made all the things like everything. Okay. That's kind of a big deal. He is extraordinary and he is so big. I think this is how the devil actually is attacking us in 2021, 2020, whatever, whatever year you're listening is to get you to settle. Why would he want you to live in the capacity that God has planned for you? So if he can convince you, Hey, you're fine. You're doing great. You're better than that guy you're doing okay. This is status quo, mediocrity, whatever, basic. That's another (laughs) word that's out right now. Oh, she's so basic. He loves it because the last thing he wants is people living to their full potential, which that means allowing God to move within you, within your crosses, within your gifts, within your everyday. That's all that means. He can work within any of it. And we stop him at all of those. We stop him in our crosses. We stop God in our gifts, right? We're like, oh, like my imposter syndrome. I'm just some lady, you know, Rachel's just some person in Canada. (laughs) Who does she think she is? She has a fuzzy (laughs) mic. Okay, I guess you're really cool, Rachel. (laughs) But right, I mean, if you were to start, you know, of course, why would would the devil want this podcast to exist? He wouldn't. And you're literally saying to him, go eat a fuzzy mic, devil. (laughs) So yeah, that's what it is. You guys, you gotta let, you gotta let God in and in, in, in all the spaces and the everyday and the mundane and the mm-hmm. hard and the awesome, all of it constantly. It's not one of those. It's all mm-hmm. of them. And I want to return to something that you, you mentioned earlier about the gap that you've entered into like with this show, but then of course, like all of the other things that you're doing. And then I, I would say maybe more broadly, your style and personality and that is like this aspect of just like fun and joy and many times like I think that Catholics get a bad rap for being 
too serious. And I'm not out here saying that that's a bad thing. It's a both end. We're both end people. Right. I absolutely love that. And I think that it's embodied by just how much I'm like looking at my waveform recording. And most of it, I think, is laughing. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> I guess like, you know, if we could like think back to, you know, at what point did you realize that this was something that like you had? And maybe like you said, maybe it's not like a one kind of big moment, but just like over time, like this moment that you realize um, that A, like you had a, a gift for, you know, storytelling, emceeing, public speaking, because especially like with your life, the amount of trials and traumas and actually some of these things like I didn't even know. So again, thank you for your vulnerability and, and you know, for sharing that with me and listeners. But just for all of the sufferings that you've overcome, the flip side of the positivity can be, you know, it almost it's like, you know, how are they the same person? And yet it is through the grace of God that, you know, you have this beautiful like, sense of life. When did you come to, to see that that was something that you had? So I actually have an actual moment. I'm so excited. I can actually, it, everyone's going to be very excited. <laughs> this isn't going to be a tangent thing. I actually have a full start and finish to this to the one person left <laughs> listening. I'm just kidding. They love you, Rachel. So they're here. No, that's great because being 458 pounds, I tell people all the time, I didn't get there because I really liked French fries or Twinkies or whatever. That's not how you get to be morbidly obese. Okay. That's a very complex, complicated story. And to undo that story is very complex and complicated. And I also like to remind people that you're a full person. So the mental health piece also, I have anxiety and depression, not because I don't love Jesus. Those two can coexist. And we believe that in the church. I can be all these things mm -hmm. and still love God. So for a long time, because I was trying to heal literally and literally stay alive, not kidding. Like, I'm not joking. My husband did not think I would make it to this far at all. Is that I didn't know my gifts and talents. And I've got to be honest, I am kind of where would I say I am? I don't think I'm on a full blown identity crisis any longer, probably at the tail end sure, of an identity sure. crisis, because I literally look in the mirror right now and I have someone looking back at me that I don't recognize. Cause I still enter the world thinking I'm that 458 pound girl. So that's very confusing. That's very difficult. So I'm always telling people I'm the funny fat friend and people are like, so you're going to have to drop that fat part. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm the funny fat girl. They're like, okay, right. So we're going to need you to, to work on this, you know? And I just identify right. that's who I was like my whole life. I was the friend that, you know, I always had the gift of joy. My mom said I was born with a smile on my face. So that was just a gift. Like, this is not me. This is not something I try, or I didn't read a book or watch a Netflix special. This is how I came, but sorry, everybody. Um, so the thing is, is that I didn't realize my gifts though, and my talents, because I was mm. so ashamed. I lived so much in my cross because the last thing I wanted to do as someone who was morbidly obese and severely mm. sick, I was always at the doctor. I was always with specialists. I had nine people mm -hmm. on my medical team. The last thing you want to do is draw attention to yourself. I don't want you to look at me. Also, I'm already a bother. I need to apologize for being alive and taking up space and squeezing here. And I'm sorry, I might've broken your chair or I can't sit in that booth with you guys mm -hmm. at the restaurant. Can we pick a different mm -hmm. place to sit? I was constantly apologizing for being alive. So yeah, my gift was not, I wasn't aware. Genius conference happens, right? When these people, these amazing people asked me to write this conference and 
when I finally said yes, that was the second time of me Mm -hmm. saying yes to God. There's another time, but this is the second time. And this is the big pinnacle moment of my life. I said, yes, I wrote this conference and I like to describe genius as it had like the content of a conference with the feel of a retreat. And so it was very different. It was like a hybrid. It was a both and it wasn't really a conference. It wasn't lecture series and it wasn't a retreat either. We weren't journaling about being the daughter of a king. (laughs) So (laughs) we had baby goats and we had an amazing DJ with wine and a lot of Jesus. And so it was Saturday night, Rachel, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm seeing this whole thing come together. 150 women are in here. I have some incredible speakers. I mean, people were calling me going, how did you book these women? Mm -hmm. As I had five solid, amazing women as my speakers, the set, like I had a whole set built. It was so rad. It was so different than Mm -hmm. anybody had ever experienced before. It was at a bougie resort. It was ridiculous. Okay. We had, I, I could go on and on and on. And Saturday night, my keynote speaker, Mary Lindenberg, yes. I don't know if you know her, yes. she's on stage and I'd sit down for a moment. If you've done anything, even planned your own birthday party, you know, it's stressful. And then you have the one moment you're finally eating the cake and you're like, ah, <laughs> everyone's having fun at Chuck E. Cheese. You know, I can relax. <laughs> Just kidding. I hope you guys don't have Chuck E. Cheese. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was this moment I looked around the room and this is absolutely 100% a true story. And I exhaled Mm -hmm. and I saw these women and I saw how different everything was. Like I literally saw my work. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, I did it. I actually did something different. Mary's up there crushing it. Right. Because Mary Lindenberg is a beast. She's Mm -hmm. amazing. And I'm not kidding. All of a sudden I hear God. And by that, I mean, like in my heart, you know, like where you just, there's a known that happens. It's not like I actually heard voices. Everybody don't call my therapist. (laughs) It's it's fine. But I heard God very clear and distinctly say, live. You have always been a connector. You've Mm -hmm. always been a networker, but this is the first time you've ever done it for me. And I mean, when I tell you it was the most profound moment of my life, I have goosebumps again. I've told this story probably 5 million times. I knew what my mission was on this planet. It was, I knew why I was so loud, why I'm so extra, why I'm so whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, too much my whole life to everything. I finally understood where my gifts line into the mission to get people to the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. I love people. I love them. They're freaking the best. I freaking love people. Like I want to lick their faces. I love them. It's against COVID and <laughs> I'm married. So my husband's against that. <laughs> or is the church y'all. It's just a joke. I'm not going to really lick anybody. It's just the way I say things. See, it's too much. I love them. And I, the thing is, is Rachel, I love bringing people together and I love bringing people to other people that they don't know. I would be like, Rachel, you've got to be Mary Lindenberg. You don't know her. Let me introduce you. Blah, blah, blah. Like that's my favorite thing in the world to do. Never occurred to me. God gave me that gift, not to connect people to people, but to connect people to him. Mm, And that's what this new show is. I am the gateway drug to Catholicism. Oh gosh. (laughs) And I mean it. I am not Scott Hahn.
I am not Pope Benedict. I am not going to be a professor at Augustine. That is not what I was put on this planet to do. I'm here to get you to remember that life is amazing. Mm -hmm. It's flipping a blast. People are extraordinary. You are unique. We're going to laugh. We're going to have a great time. I'm going to entertain you. And then you're going to be like, good God, what is she on? (laughs) You know, like, and all those people that she knows and that she brings in and they're doing crazy stuff and skits and she wears wigs. And I just laughed a bunch. And now I want to learn a little bit more. And see what I'm saying. And so that's what it's relational ministry. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do best. And now I understand what I'm supposed to do. Mm. That is so good. Who better? Because it's God operating through you. It's like all of those gifts, everything that you just mentioned. And then also like the wealth of experience that you have both professionally, but also personally being able to relate to people on that human heart level as well Mm -hmm. the joy that exudes and then people become curious whether perhaps like lukewarm catholics or those who are like have never set foot in a church at all and just Mm -hmm. seeing it's like yeah what what is she on newsflash it's jesus you know exactly (laughs) and that's the thing it's not coined as a catholic show i'm not only going to have catholics on my show one of my biggest fans and promoters is a friend of mine from high school and she's an atheist Oh my god! and she's a major atheist and has raised her children atheist. She tells everyone to watch my show. She watches it every week. She loves it. And I love that. I want people to feel welcome in what I do in my space. Come, you are welcome here. I don't care what your story is. You are worthy because you were made by the same God and Mm. I see your soul and you have one. So come on in friend. And yeah, we might be throwing pies at each other with whipped cream. And you might be like, that had nothing to do with Jesus. And guess what? A lot of things that Jesus did had nothing to do with Jesus. You know Mm. what I mean? He wasn't constantly just walking around like, son of God. Hi, son of God, son of God. Let me read the Torah. Everyone sit down. We're only reading Torah. That's all I do. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and those are the moments I don't think we have enough in the church. And I'm like, all right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do that moment. Cause you know what we do have? We've got great apologetics. We already have Scott Hahn. We already have blessed is she, mm-hmm. we already have Rachel Wong. We already have, you know, whatever we, oh, these people are already here. Mm-hmm. I'm not here to do their job. Mm-hmm. They're doing their job and there's plenty of work for all of us to do. Amen. And so my job is to just get people just to hook in, you know? All right. Turn on, we'll watch this crazy show. Let's see what this is. Let's laugh a while. And then who knows? If they go further, they go further. But when you go to the Vatican, you fall in love with the art and you fall in love with the statues. And then you want to find out who was the guy that painted that? Who was the guy that carved that? Mm -hmm. That's what I'm doing. I'm bringing the art to the people. The best art God ever made were people. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing. I'm basically just, I'm, I'm just a museum. I don't know. I'm an art curator. I don't know where to go with that analogy. (laughs) So I want people to fall in love with people and then they'll want to know the creator because they're falling in love with the art. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Just because, and and I'm sure you know this better than anyone, that everybody has a story. Exactly. And that's the one thing that really people can't argue with. It's those experiences, those personal encounters. Like we can argue about 
apologize no you don't apologize about apologetics <laughs> you can argue about apologetics and all of these things all day long and yeah. and that's one of the things that we talk about when it comes to evangelization but the one thing that people can't take away from is your personal experience so like Liv I am so grateful that that is the gift that you've come in to know about yourself that our God has given to you and just the fact that you're able to connect people to people to people and ultimately everybody connecting back to God exactly and maybe like this is a good time to talk about your own feminine genius. And I yeah. think like you've highlighted that in a number of different ways. And again, like I am all for the fact that, yes, there are like so many different ministries out there and there might be folks who kind of operate in a similar vein. And perhaps it's like, you know, you are in like a, a league of your own, <laughs> which is so needed because there's there seriously is a gap. And I think that, you know, I'm grateful that you brought it up because I don't think I would have recognize that until we have this conversation so again i'm so grateful but in terms of your own feminine genius how have you seen that like flourish through this work your life and all of the things that you've experienced well it's coming into my own feminine genius has probably been one of the most difficult trials of my life because the last thing you feel when you're morbidly obese as a woman is feminine because let's be honest i mean what's true good and beautiful right is of god and women this isn't sexist. We are beautiful. Like the female form, even women would be like, no, I'd rather look at a naked lady than a naked man. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you know, men were like, you don't, we don't, we're not the same guys. We don't need to see all the things men are like men are men. Okay. They like, they're very visual, you know, right. the female form is beautiful. That's why we have plenty of those statues, plenty of those paintings of the female form. All right. We get it. So when you don't have the female form, and you live in America or you live, I don't know, wherever you live and you've been taught, taught your whole life, whether not directly or indirectly, constantly, we're, we're just bombarded. Your beauty yeah. is your worth. Your beauty yeah. is your worth. So if you don't have physical beauty and you are a woman on this planet, where do you fall in the feminine genius? Your human brain makes this connection. Physical beauty equals feminine genius. Okay. That's not the same thing. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So it took me a very long time. Does that make sense to understand? Because I did not look like the other girls. I didn't sound like the other girls. I didn't do what the other girls did. I had three brothers. I love cigars and hard liquor. And I can talk Marvel and Star Wars and Simpsons because of my brothers. And here I was the chubby fat friend. So I didn't fit the mold of what like the secular world says is quote unquote feminine genius, not Pope John Paul II. You know what I mean? Like what the rest of the world is saying, this is what makes you feminine. This is what makes you whatever. So when I started getting asked to give talks to girls about being feminine and I was still morbidly obese, I was like, God, you're just being cruel. You're being mm. so cruel to me. I don't know how to tell these girls to be girls because I don't feel like a girl. At 36 years old, I sadly had to have a medical hysterectomy. It's another part of my story that I share at other times. And to lose your complete fertility, we had gone in to have another baby and came out with, you're actually hemorrhaging to death. So we have to do this. And mm -hmm. I didn't believe them. And I went to a Catholic doctor and he was like, uh, Dr. Hilders, I don't know if you've heard of his dad is super famous. And he was like, no, yeah, you have to. And I was so young. I mean, that's, a, that's really young. And so I have to say losing my period, believe it or not, as much as every woman in the world was like, oh, I feel really bad for you. You don't have a period losing my period. I felt like that was like the last blow of I'm not a woman. Now, what am I? 
I don't fit physical beauty for the world. I no longer have the gift of fertility, which is the ultimate level of being a woman. So my journey to really, really dig into Pope John Paul II and what true feminine genius is, that's like a deep question for me. I'm sure you wanted a really nice answer, but it's not that easy. And it took me a very long time to see what he was saying and what true feminine genius is, is not about your outward beauty is, and is not about your ability to reproduce. Yeah. That is part, that is of course, gifts that we have as women. We are beautiful. And I mean it, like on the outside, we are, we're beautiful. And the gift of our fertility is an incredible gift. But the feminine genius is about how we come to the world and how we see through a lens that our brothers in Christ don't see the same way. Even if you're the girl that plays baseball and smokes cigars and really knows Star Wars, you still have a feminine genius. You still have gifts and nurturing, and you still have these beautiful things inside of you that your male counterparts don't have. And that's to be celebrated. That's not to say, oh, but I need to have that job on the altar doing that job. No, be proud of the jobs that we've been given and entrusted as women that only we can do, whether you have a working uterus or not, I don't care. Whether you're the ugliest girl in the room or not, I don't care. You could be the biggest room in the world. That is not your feminine genius. You have got to have the conversation with God himself and he will reveal to you what your feminine genius is, not what the world says it is. And that I think is the bottom line of what it really is. To be honest, what I think feminine genius is, is an answer that God can only reveal. I don't think there is a one answer at all. I think it's an undefined thing. It's a unique, like our thumbprints and everything else. We all have it, but it's all different. And the only way to discover it is to, again, allow permission for God to work that through you and to show you why were you chosen to spend this life on this planet as a female? He could have chosen Mm -hmm. you to be anything, but he chose for Rachel to be in the feminine form on this planet. Why? Mm -hmm. Why was that intentional with him? He's very intentional. So ask him. So Mm -hmm. that's how I answer the feminine genius. I really try not to answer it because it's unanswerable for every woman. I mean, I mean, for, for one woman to, to say for every woman. Absolutely. Does that make sense? So yeah, totally, totally. And, and again, it comes back to, yeah, like that idea that we are our own. And I love that you're talking about bringing it back to the Lord, because ultimately he's the one that created us. He's the one that blessed us and gave us those gifts. And he's the one who has the answer. And he doesn't try to dangle the answer above us and be like, okay, like try and catch or it. Or fit now. in this like, box. You, know. you have to check off these right. things. And that's what right. I don't want women to come away from. Well, I only yeah. I only checked off three of the seven things Liv said to be a feminine, <laughs> yes. you know, to have feminine genius. She listed yeah. seven things, you know, and, and I, I only checked off that. No, it's not what it is. It's like trying to describe heaven. I mean, it's a state. I think, mm. I think it's a mystery like yes. the Trinity. I mean, we can try to put into words, but it really is a conversation to have with your Lord. That's what the feminine mm. genius is. Female yeah. to God. Yeah. Constant and ongoing too, yes. because we're not static, like you said. Nope. So we constantly we grow, are organic. constantly change. Yep. <laughs> 
Yeah, but Liv, thank you. Like, just everything that you're sharing, it just, you know, it pierces me. I myself have goosebumps too. And, you know, my prayer is that people come away from this feeling very inspired. I mean, with all guests. I hope so. Uh, absolutely. But yes, feeling inspired. And thank you for your constant witness and your joy because we need more of that, especially in a world such as now. So thank you yeah. for being here. Oh my, oh my gosh. gosh. I can lick your face. Oh, Rachel, thank you so much. <laughs> That is the best compliment you could ever say to me. You just made my day. <laughs> no, this is great. And and I want everybody to know I'm a very real person. Um, never am I too busy for anyone. If we've never met, I already think we're best friends. So find me out into, you know, in the world and, and reach out if there's anything I can do to help you in your journey, male or female who's listening. Please know that I really am a safe space and I do not mind walking the walk next to you. And that is an honor. Um, so anytime anybody needs prayer or any type of, you know, these are pretty deep subjects and not everybody, you know, has, has gone through them and I don't mind. So if anybody ever needs me, let me know. That's so kind. And, and perhaps like it's appropriate then like for you to bless us, I guess, like with a prayer of your own, just as we end off this conversation. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. In the name of the father, the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time and this space that Rachel has created with her guests. She has opened up a conversation and has allowed people to be a part of it. And for every man or woman that is listening or that will listen, I just ask for special grace on them at this moment, the moment they're listening and afterwards that their heart is opened, their ears are open, that they go to the next space that they're supposed to go to. I just thank you, God, for these souls that are on this planet, for whatever reason you have, for all of our individual missions and for the feminine genius. Oh, it is so glorious and so mysterious. And God, we just thank you for all of those that have come before us and all those that will be behind us and that we just remember to give ourselves permission to be extraordinary. In your son's precious name, amen. amen. Father, son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Liv. Thanks, Rachel. Okay, how fun is Liv? So a big thank you to Liv Harrison for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. Stay in touch with Liv by following her on Instagram at thelivharrison and by checking out her website, thelivharrison.com. There, you'll be able to find more info about It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison, as well as Liv's morning show, Live Every Day. I've left all the links you need to watch and listen in the show notes. You can learn more about the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook and Instagram at FemGeniusPod. And you can listen and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other platforms. All of this information can be found on our home on the web, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless you always.